I'm going to start out with a, a cough drop. We'll see how it goes this morning. You'll have to forgive me if I cough a time or two while we're going through this. Um, Isaiah chapter number 5 is where I want you to be today. Isaiah chapter number 5. In Isaiah 5, God's people have strayed far from Him and He pronounces actually six woes here. I just want to look at a couple of the woes um, that are later in the passage uh, to go with what I'm talking about today with regard to our own nation and what we see in the world today. We're talking about blurring the lines. The lines are being blurred in many different areas. And uh, if you haven't noticed that, you're not paying attention. Okay? I mean, it just seriously is been that way for a number of years now. In fact, in my 67 years on this earth, I have personally witnessed the continual moral breakdown of our society in this great nation of ours, as well as in the whole world. You know, our nation influences the world. And if people want to be like the United States, well, if the United States uh, moves away from God, guess what they're going to do? They're already away from God, and they're going to move farther away from God. Truly, the perilous times that the Apostle Paul prophesied of in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, are we know they're increasingly upon us. They are upon us. Now, understand that what we are seeing is not something that just happened overnight. And that's the way it was with the children of Israel that uh, Isaiah is uh, addressing here and that the Lord is addressing. We, know, we who know the Bible know that this battle between right and wrong and that's what we're going to talk, be talking about, the lines of right and wrong. The lines of right and wrong are being blurred. In fact, let's, uh, let's pick up. We'll go ahead and read our, our scripture. I'll read verses 18 through 25. And I hope you got a, a um, yellow sheet when you came in. And Brother, Brother Jim, I appreciate him uh, trying to see that you get that. But if you came in late, you may not have gotten one. There are plenty there on the back table you feel free to go back and get one of those. And this is to help you, because I'll be covering a lot of Scripture, and it'll help you also got some kind of long points. And I know some of you like to take notes. This will, this will help you in those ways. And uh, I, I, I don't apologize for using a lot of Scripture, because that's what I'm supposed to do is preach the Word of God. And I've always believed that I'm to preach the Word. I don't preach my opinion. I don't preach uh, the, the illustrations. Uh, I use some illustrations, but I don't preach those. I preach the Word. And so let's read the Word that we're going to be looking at today. Verse number 18. Verse number 18. We're going to take a look at a few woes here that he, he, he talks about. And these are not the first ones. Um, but verse 18 is where we want to uh, begin. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin, as it were, with a cart rope. In other words, they're just pulling, they're pulling a, 
a wagon load of sin along with them as they live their lives. Now, verse number 19, he's talking about you that say, let, let him make speed and hasten his work that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come that we may know it. <laughs> well, you know, if they, they, they really didn't want that. Now, they, they were asking for it, and it was coming, but that ain't, that ain't what they wanted. I can tell you that. Now, uh, verse 20 is where we're going to focus. This is where our focus is at this morning. Verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty uh, to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and, and take away the righteousness of the righteous from, before, from him. Um, think about that for just a minute. They justify... Uh, the wicked for reward. In other words, uh, they're, they're doing it for, uh, uh, for wealth. You know, whatever, whatever the, the crowd wants, the crowd gets as long as the money keeps flowing. That's what they're concerned with. Verse number 24. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chafe, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossoms shall go up as a dust, uh, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And that's important. Listen, they cast away the law of the Lord and despised the word of the Holy One. That's what we're seeing in our nation. Yes, we are. Amen. When, when this nation was founded, the, the, the law of God was embraced. Our laws were based upon that. And, and the, 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 the Lord was looked to and prayed to. And uh, they sought counsel. And you said, you know, we, we can, this is all for naught if we don't seek the counsel of God. And that's true. And uh, verse 25. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people. And he has stretched forth his hand against them and has smitten them uh, and the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And we see God's grace right there. Uh, all this, his anger is not turned away, but, but you know, even though his anger is not turned away, his hand still stretched out to, I think the, the Lord is offer, offers grace for repentance. Uh, we're we're, we're to, to the point, now we are in, uh, our, our country is, is experiencing right now the chastisement of God. The judgment of God is already upon us, and it's just going to get worse unless, unless we repent and turn back to Him. Now, uh, understand that what we're seeing is not something that just happened overnight, uh, we who know our Bible know that this battle between right and wrong began all the way back in the Garden of Eden 
when uh, sin first entered this world by Adam, and in Romans 5.12 tells us that, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin. And, and we also know, and we can see, that the battle for right and wrong has raged and played out in varying degrees all throughout history. If you're a history buff, I, I grew up being history buff. If you study history, you will see that battle for right and wrong all the way through. Now this great nation of ours even began out of a desire of a majority of our founding fathers to, to both rid themselves from tyranny, that was part of the reason, but, and, and to have the freedom to be able to both worship and serve God as the Bible dictates. That's, that's why our nation was founded. Now, for years, our nation uh, is caught up in, this, in a downward spiral of sin. I'm not going to take time to turn to it this morning. I've spoken about it on several different occasions. If you want to see that downward spiral, you, you can see it in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18. It's just a downward spiral. It talks about God giving them up to their uncleanness. It talks about it in, in, in verse 26 of Romans 1, for this cause God gave them up into vile affections. And then in verse number 28, it says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And when you see the things that follow there, that's where we're at. Okay? We're, we, we see the, the reprobation of our nation, the reprobation of society. And uh, we know that that is, uh, that is something, I mean, it's evident before us, and it began before we even arrived on the scene. I was born in 1956, and uh, it was already beginning at that point, and, uh, uh, the, and it has continued to snowball. Our, our nation has continued to snowball away from God and into uh, deeper into sin. Now, the adults in this room have been witness to the many generational changes away from God and His Word. We've been witness that. We're witnessing the history of that. And it's, it's, it's moved away from God and His Word and increasingly toward godless, atheistic humanism where more and more people are a God unto themselves. God's not going to tell me what to do. That preacher's not going to tell me what to do. That book he preaches out of is not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's where we're at. And been there a while. Okay? And it's getting worse. Now, we're living in a generation that is increasingly tolerant of anything and everything except the Word of God, true biblical Christianity, and believers who truly confess Christ and try to live him. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, uh, that uh, godless Christianity. There's a, there is a godless Christianity that's not, where, where people are not truly confessing Christ and not truly trying to live for him. We're talking about folks who uh, confessing Christ in both their lips and by their life. Uh, they're, not, they're not tolerant of you. They want to see you um, uh, reprogrammed. Okay? They want to see you, if you're not going to be reprogrammed, they don't want you here. They want you gone. Uh, what I'm saying is, uh, life in our nation has drastically changed 
from what it was when we arrived on the scene. And, and, and that's not a surprise. We know that, don't we? Uh, uh, what once seemed like a slow drift away from God has changed into a raging torrent toward destruction as the lines of what is right and wrong uh, are increasingly blurred. Now, I first became cognizant of this uh, as a child in the fifth grade, and that is when the Bible was taken out of schools. From the fifth grade on, and, and we're up to the fifth grade, uh, they would read the Bible, say the Lord's Prayer, uh, Gideons would come, give, give the Bibles out. Uh, they gave, gave them out when I was in the fifth grade. That was the last time that they were allowed to do it. They was already being questioned at that point. Now, we live in a society that largely condones bad lifestyle choices. Now, but they could, don't call them bad lifestyle choices. Okay? Because bad is good now. They... Uh, that, that's the way they look at it. At the same time, they are critical of anyone who disagrees with those choices and chooses rather to cling to the biblical truths and the former moral norms of society that we grew up with and that made this nation great. Listen, we've gotten away from those norms. Our nation has gotten away from those norms. Don't be don't allow yourself to get caught up in the drift. Well, it's not not a slow drift anymore. It is a snowball. Um, started small and started rolling slowly, and now it is big. It is all pretty much all encompassing, uh, barreling toward those of us that know the Lord uh, and wanting to take us out of the way. Now. Um, we know that today if one claims to be a homosexual or a bisexual or even some other kind of pervert and says that God made them that way and that's what they do they say God made me this way then, then society largely says more power to that person they say you Christians all just live and let live and they say, you be you and don't let anyone else try to change you or tell you you're wrong, is what they tell the folks that are wrapped up in that stuff. But the absolute truth and reality from Scripture is that sin makes one that way, not God. Okay? God did not make them that way. Sin makes them that way. And another scriptural reality is that God will still judge sin. He's still going to judge sin. Many are not okay with, they're not only okay with, excuse me, but applaud the raging liberals today who are vocally anti-God and critical of God's word. Also, the lamestream media will help make sure that they have platforms to get their message out on. Okay, But they'll shout down and shut off those of us who uh, follow Christ. When a close follower of Christ tries to proclaim and defend biblical truth, they are mocked and their message is edited or silenced. Uh, we just saw this this past week. Um, the Houston Texan quarterback, C.J. Stroud, 
played a game last week that they won, and they they edited out his giving glory to God uh, from uh, the interview. I mean, they couldn't do it on the live TV, but when they had it on the rebroadcast, they they cut it cut it off. Is what they did, and it seems to be okay today to condemn the people who truly love our country. Think about it. True patriots are viewed as being fascist. You've heard that word. And they, they say it over and over again, like saying over and over again makes it true. Yeah? Conservative, uh, biblically-minded folks are not fascist. <laughs> They're just not. True patriots are not fascist. It seems to be okay to condemn those today on, on the front lines of defending us You'll notice how much that law enforcement and the military are, are condemned. And the new heroes are those who have the courage to take a knee when the national anthem is played or sung, those who burn our American flag, and those who destroy and deface historical statues, and those who would rewrite the history of this great nation. Those, those are the heroes of our day with the, uh, the liberal-leaning left. Now what I'm saying is that we're living in a generation full of people who are selfish, they're undisciplined, they're easily offended, they're immoral, and happily call good evil and evil good. And the Lord through Isaiah pronounces a woe upon them. Can I tell you that the word of God, even though a lot of folks uh, in our day and time think that it's outdated, it's right on time. Amen. It's right on time. It, 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 it is not outdated. So let's begin here. And that was my introduction. <laughs> All right. uh, number one, we see lines of right and wrong being blurred because the lines of God's authority got blurred. Now that was last week's message, and I'm not going to re-preach that. But who gets to say what is right or what is wrong? What is sin and what is righteousness? Uh, listen, it matters very much who has that authority and whose standard one uses. <laughs> <coughs> Is it the individual? People, I'm talking about people being a god unto themselves. I call the shots in my life. I'm the one who will determine what is right and wrong. Can you imagine if that is if that is the case? We we, we could we each one of us here would have a different standard. Okay, if you're, you're standard unto yourself. Um, it's hard to figure out what the standard is in it. It's not the individual. Because, um, you know, one, one individual might think it's not, it's not wrong to kill somebody, particular somebody. What if somebody came through the door and they said, well, you know, I don't have any problem killing you because in my life you, you're, you're, you're the enemy and I'm okay. And they come in and do that. Well, uh, if we were a God unto ourselves, then that would mean anything wrong with that individual doing that. But we have laws established. Well, is it the government? Uh, you know, the government is, is to enforce, not change, the laws. <laughs> now, yeah. God's the one who established 
uh, right and wrong. Um, is it someone else? You know, that you, we, we, I, what I want you to see is there must be a proper standard. And, and it's not the individual. It's not government. It's not someone else. It, it, it's God and his word. Now, what is sin? And I gave you the detail of this because I want you to go back and look at this and I really want you to, to, to understand what, I, what I'm saying about sin and, and these uh, lines being blurred of God's authority. Sin is breaking God's law. That's what sin is. It's breaking God's law. The words that are used most in Scripture that are translated as sin, whether you're looking at the Old Testament or the New Testament, the Greek uh, or, the, or the Hebrew mean, means to err or to miss the mark. That's what they mean. I'm talking about the major, the major words that are used in Scripture. And it's talking about to miss the mark of moral purity and the missing mark of God's righteousness. Other words translated as sin in the Old Testament mean to be guilty, to pervert, or to make crooked, to stray, or to break away at, or in rebel against authority. Take it and turn in your Bibles for, with me just a minute to uh, um, uh, Psalm 2. Psalm 2. And we see this breaking away um, from the Lord that is mentioned here. Psalm 2 uh, shows this in a great way. Look at Psalm 2, verse number 1. Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth, notice this, set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. We don't want, to, we don't want anything to do with them and their God. Okay? He that sitteth in the heavens, notice, he, verse 4, He that sitteth in heaven shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. God still judges sin. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the, the, decree the, the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for my, thy possession. And that, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, amen, he, uh, that is speaking about there. And it says in verse 9, Thou shalt break them. The Lord's going to break them with a rod of iron. The Lord Jesus Christ going to break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And so uh, the bottom line is in verse 10, it says, Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, and be instructed, ye judges of the earth. In other words, these folks that have set themselves against God need to understand uh, what's coming. Verse 11, Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. I wonder, are you blessed this morning? Have you put your trust in the Lord? I hope that you have. Uh, so uh, we, we, we see the, uh, uh, the lines uh, of right and wrong being blurred because the lines of God's authority got blurred. Now, number two thing, we see the, the scriptural principle of right and wrong. What does God's word say? 
what does God's word say about sin? Well, one thing it says that sin is the transgression of the law. It makes a difference. Whose law is it talking about? When the scripture talks about the law, uh, it, it's talking about God's law. Unless it says differently. Okay, it can talk about man's law, but it's talking about God's law. And 1 John 3, 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. It tells us very clearly, defines it for us. James 2, verse 10 says, And whosoever shall keep the whole law, talking about God's whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. And we know that we're lawbreakers, amen? That's the reason why Jesus had to come and give himself a, a ransom for our sin because we're all lawbreakers and we needed him in our life. But once we have him in our life, we no longer want to break the law. We want to, we want to uh, embrace God's law. Second thing here, sin is to come short of the glory of God. We're familiar with Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The glory of God is personified in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? He is the standard of righteousness. He is the standard of God's glory. John 1.14 tells us that, And the Word was made flesh, that's Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. What glory was that? The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And when Jesus said in John 14, He said that uh, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. If the glory of God is seen in Jesus Christ and the, and the sin is to come short of that glory, it's to come short of that righteousness of Jesus Christ. Sin is also to turn to one's own way. Well, I'll do what I want to do. Okay? Isaiah 53 verse 6 addresses this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's been a time in each of our lives where we went our own way. Until we realized that the only way is Jesus. And we began to follow him. Uh, and and God, God's grace, after God's grace changed our life. Amen. Sin is to forsake the Lord for something else. Listen to Judges 10.10. 10. Talk about the children of Israel. They, it says, They cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. Can I tell you, our nation has forsaken God and they're serving gods of their own design is what they're doing. They're, they're serving, they're, they're, they're serving the, the, uh, the, themselves. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10 says, And they cried unto the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served Balaam and Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies and we will serve thee. Hey, they got the cart before the horse. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Turn to the Lord, begin serving him. And the Lord will deliver you from those things. Amen. Um, here's another thing. Sin is to do that which is wicked in the sight of God. And we're talking right and wrong. Who calls right, right? Uh, who, who's, who gets to make the rules of what is right and what is wrong? Well, it's the Lord. And sin is to do that which is wicked in the sight of God. Deuteronomy 9, 18. And 
Moses recorded here, and I fell down before the Lord as at first, 40 days and 40 nights, I did neither eat bread nor drink water. Listen, because all your sins which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And that's, uh, that's what we're seeing a lot of. <coughs> Look at uh, the next one there. Sin puts one on the wrong side of God. Uh, listen to Proverbs 17 verse 15. He that justifieth the wicked, he that condemneth the just, even they both are abomination to the Lord. Well, who says so? The Lord. <laughs> God says, uh, if you justify the wicked, that's what we're seeing, are we not? Justifying those that are doing wrong, and 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 so, well, you, you folks are righteous. Y'all doing, you know, just do what you do. Do you do you? And, you know, it, it's all good. It's uh, he that saith. Uh, he that justifieth the wicked and he that condemneth the just. Are they not doing that right now? They're saying, hey, you, you Christians just need to shut up. Y'all just need to get out of the way. Y'all just need to come on over to, to our side uh, because uh, uh, we got it right and you got it wrong in our eyes. But it says, even they both are abomination to the Lord. The, the one that justifies the wicked and the one that condemns the just. Proverbs 24, verse 24 and 25 says, He that saith unto the wicked, Thou art righteous, him shall the people curse, nations shall abhor him. But to them that rebuke him shall be delight, and a good blessing shall come upon them all. Um, the late evangelist Dr. Billy Graham was speaking one time at Conwell Theological Seminary, and he had these words to say. <clears throat> he said, quote, We've lost sight of the fact that some things are always right and some things are always wrong. We've lost our reference point. We don't have any moral philosophy to undergird our way of life in this country and our way of life is in serious jeopardy and serious danger. He saw it back during his day and he's been gone a few years now. Um, number three thing that we see here we see the increasing trend to try to reverse God's principles by calling right wrong and wrong right now I'm just going to hit a few of these okay we'd be here all day if I had tried to hit it all uh, but you know it's true uh, let, let's think about pre, the matter of premarital sex and extramarital sex we know that both of those things blossomed during and after the sexual revolution of the late 1960s and early 1970s, I grew up through that. Okay? Uh, my, uh, my elementary school years, junior high and high school years, it was all affected by that. But listen, God still calls sex outside of monogamous marriage relationship between one man and one woman. He calls it fornication what he calls it and he still uh, you know he says in Exodus 2014 thou shalt not commit adultery you know God hadn't changed his mind about that it's still in God's law we can't alter God's law thou shalt not commit adultery the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6.18 that they, he wrote that the Corinthians needed to flee fornication 
And they were uh, they were saved. He he'd talked about it in, in in earlier in that book how that uh, uh, they needed to understand that those things uh, uh, that they were involved in was them before they got saved, but they were washed, they were sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they needed to flee fornication. Um, another thing we could talk about is homosexuality. The Bible still calls it sodomy. Um, in 1992, I know that's a ways back, but there was a 24-member United Methodist Church panel that could not agree on whether homosexuality is a sin. So the committee's 14,000-word report on the subject was referred to the denomination's national policy-making body. And the report contained a majority statement signed by 17 committee members. That means that um, seven of them refused to sign it. It was signed by 70 committee members recommending the removal of an assertion in the church's book of rules that homosexual practice and Christianity are incompatible. A minority report signed by four members argues for retaining the current language. And the panel agreed that biblical references to, listen to this, the panel agreed that the biblical references to sexual practices should not be viewed as binding just because they're in the Bible. That's the problem right there. We know that just recently, and I don't have this written down, but I know, I know just in the within the last month or two, the United Methodist Church had a split among them, and those folks that way back the when said we we ought not be going this way, they finally got, had enough of it and said, "Listen, we're we're getting out of this," and they have separated um, from that. Now, again, that, that goes again to who sets the standard. Who sets the standard? Does a, does a committee, do a, do a group of people, does a church set the standard? No. God sets the standard. What does say the Lord? What's in the Bible? And again, um, we, we go to uh, the Word of God in Leviticus 18, verse 22, says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind, and it says it is a, a, a abomination. It's abomination. Uh, that's still true. The word of God does not change. God does not change. It's abomination. And uh, the, my previous reference to Romans 1, when you read verses 24 through 32, it's talking very clearly about that. Now, what about abortion and euthanasia? Now, I don't know whether you're aware or not, but today is the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Okay? And uh, uh, some, sometimes I preach a message on the Sanctity of Human Life. I made it a part of this <laughs> this morning. Uh, we are for life. Amen. Um, Exodus 20, verse 13 says, Thou shalt not kill, and it's talking about murder. Okay? It's not, that's, Thou shalt not kill is not talking about capital punishment. God gave, God, God established government to, one of the reasons he established government is to carry out that uh, sentence of death against those that have, have killed others. And uh, listen to a couple of quotes here. Uh, listen to John Calvin. That's a long ways back. Listen to what he had to say. 
The fetus carried in the mother's womb is already a man, and it is quite unnatural that a life be destroyed of one who has not yet seen its enjoyment. For it seems more unworthy that a man be killed in his home rather than in his field, because of for each man his home is his safest refuge. How much more abominable ought it to be considered to kill a fetus in the womb who has not yet been brought into the life? Unquote. Listen to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, Destruction of the embryo in the mother's womb is a violation of the right to live which God has bestowed upon this nascent life. Uh, to raise the question whether we are here uh, uh, concerned already with the human being or not is merely to confuse the issue. Blurring it. Blurring the line. Uh, um, he says the simple fact is that God certainly intended to create a human being and that it, this uh, nascent, nascent human being has been deliberately deprived of his life and that is nothing but murder. Nothing but murder. That's what it is. And for, the, for to hear leaders uh, talk about, well, if Jesus was here today, he would be, he would be pro-abortion. He would be, he would, you know, that's exactly what it is. It's blasphemy. And uh, I remember Nancy Pelosi saying that the abortionists were doing God's work. The abortionists were doing God's work. And uh, just a, a piece of work that we see. Uh, she's just one in the government that believed that. They, this, uh, it's a widespread thing with the liberal left. Now, many other things that we could look at. But when, the, when the scripture is deemed wrong by mankind, uh, and mankind does things their own way instead of God's way, you've got a problem, Okay. You got a problem. Now, what is behind the altering of God's principles? And we're, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up here. And uh, this probably is not all of what's behind it, but these are some things that are behind it. And uh, uh, we could uh, again, we could probably be here a while if we delved real deeply into it. One thing that's behind it is ignorance. It's ignorance. And, and a lot of that ignorance is they're dumb on purpose. They, they have determined they're going to be ignorant. Micah 4 verse 12 says, But they know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither understand they his counsel, for he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. They, they don't know the thoughts of God. That's because they're not trained in the Bible. We, we live in a time when... Uh, the Word of God has not, uh, not gotten into as much as it used to be. Amen. Especially uh, with young people. Um, and that causes biblical ignorance. And that biblical in ignorance is what, one of the things that's behind altering of God's principles. Another thing is deceitful hearts. You can't trust your heart. You heard folks say, well, just, just, just trust your heart. Let your, let your heart be your guide. Well, there's a problem with that. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things 
and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's Jeremiah 17, 9. And verse 10 says, And I, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. What's behind the altering of God's principles not only ignorance and deceitful hearts, but we know that Satan is behind it. He's behind it. Jesus said to supposedly religious men should have known better uh, than to side with Satan, but Satan was uh, very much active in their coming against the Lord Jesus Christ. John 8, verse number 43, Jesus said, Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye love your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do, he was a murderer from the beginning. He abode and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. So where do all these lies come from? That Where people are, are saying, well, uh, these things that the, the, these Christians uh, you think are wrong and the Bible says wrong, well, they, they've got it wrong. You know, this is, we're living in, in uh, the 21st century. We're, we're, we're two decades in, in, our third, in the third decade of, uh, of the 21st century. And, we, you know, we ought to be smarter than that. No, no, no. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4 talks about people being blinded. So, but if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Whom the God of this world, that's Satan, the God of this world that blinded the minds of them which believed not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Another problem is pride. Pride. Romans 10, I mean, excuse me, Romans, I don't know where that came from. Psalm 10, verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. They don't want to think about God. You know? they, they, they don't want to give God any, uh, any foot in the door of their life. And that's why they're wicked. <laughs> uh, we know that all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. That's according to 1 John 2.16. Fear of man and desire to please men. That's all behind it too. Uh, back to the scripture we originally read. You know, they're looking to please folks. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Self-justification is part of the problem. Says so there's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. Proverbs thirty twelve. They're pure in their own eyes. Uh, ain't nothing wrong with me. Uh, I'm good. Proverbs twenty one verse two. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. So listen, you can think you're okay the way you are, but if you go uh, against the ways of the Lord, uh, the Lord knows that. He knows your heart. And it's not going to go well with you in the end. Proverbs 12, verse 15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. We 
are being, we are being led by fools. Yes. Led by fools. So what's the bottom line here? Romans 3, verse 4, look at this. God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. Let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. You know what? That, as it is written, where it's coming from? David, in his confessional psalm. I think it's Psalm 51, verse 3 or 4. forget which. But he, when he finally came to his senses in his sin, it's all about how God, God needed to be justified. That thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Friend, the problem in our society is getting more godless. What are we as believers called to do in our own personal lives? Don't get caught up in the snowball. It used to say drift. It's no longer drift. Don't, don't, be, don't be bowled over by the snowball and become a part of the snowball. Take and recognize that the Lord and His Word are what's right. And if it goes against, if somebody's doing something that's against God's Word, don't be afraid to call it wrong. Because it is wrong. Amen? I wonder this morning, do you know the Lord? Do you have His salvation? Listen, I don't care what the world says. The world says, oh, you, you can get God any way that you want to get. You, you just go your way to get to God. We don't go our way. We come God's way or we, don't, we can't come. It's by repentance and faith that you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. It's only by the shed blood of Jesus that we can be saved. There's, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Period. He said, well, you're being, um, you're just being tough. You're being, uh, you know, uh, exclusive. Well, Jesus was exclusive. Jesus is the one that said that. So if you're not saved, get saved today. If you are saved, cling to the book. Know the book. See, a lot of problem with believers today is they don't know the book the way they should know the book. Amen. Let's pray. Father.